Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. I'm Doug Cunnington, and in this episode, we're going to talk about Google Analytics and the reports that I look at the most often, and you know, just a couple things that I've learned about Google Analytics. I haven't taken any classes in it or really anything official, but it occurs to me that I actually get quite a few questions from folks or when I do a coaching call with someone, we'll go check out their analytics. I'll do some analysis and I'll figure out that I'm navigating to an area in Google Analytics that they've never seen before. And I'm able to extract some pretty interesting data to help them uh, you know, focus on certain posts, for example, certain pieces of content where it looks like things are going well and they didn't know it or things are going poorly and maybe they should improve it. So we're going to talk about the reports that I check out. This is kind of a tough, a tough thing to do via audio. It's really easy to see like where I'm clicking and what I'm talking about. So we'll, I'll do my best at a high level to let you know like kind of what I'm looking at. Um, kind of the main areas that you could check out and you should be able to sort of put it together. Additionally, one of the ways that I've learned is just to, you know, Google around and then you'll see that Google Analytics actually has decent documentation. It's not the prettiest. It's not the easiest to read, but it's very explicit. And if you're trying to figure something out, usually you can Google it and check it out. I do have one video that I am pretty sure is out there on YouTube where I show you how to create a custom report so you can like really track things on a like per URL basis. So all of a sudden we got super deep <laughs> before, before we get into the Google Analytics stuff. I'll also let you know that I'll be answering a few questions from the mailbag. I think that is an easy way <laughs> for me to fill some time where I can actually help people. Number one, I'm actually answering questions that I know people are interested in and potentially it could keep me on target. At this point in time, I have so many email questions that um, I could do another hundred shows just answering questions. So it's fantastic. Plus people get a little shout out and stuff like that. I'll just mention first names, you know, for, so you you remain anonymous and that sort of thing. This is episode 101. So, uh, it's pretty cool. We've hit the uh, three digit mark and I feel like uh, I really dig this podcasting stuff. So appreciate all the support, everyone out there. Before we get into the meat of the episode, I'm going to ramble on here for a minute. I'm uh, currently in my parents' house. So this is in uh, Georgia, in the Atlanta area, and it's around the holidays, you know, uh, Christmas time right now. It's the middle of December. So just hanging out at my parents' house. And I'm in my a younger sister's old bedroom, which is not the guest room. So it really bears no resemblance to what it was like when we lived here. And uh, my bedroom is you know the same way. But this, you know, this here room that I'm in is the guest bedroom, or at least the, the nicer guest bedroom. Technically, there's a, a there's room for someone to stay in the other uh, my old bedroom, but it's just a single bed. I like to stretch out. So Anyway, it's nice and quiet in here. The 
color scheme isn't exactly what I would choose, but it's not unpleasant. You know, it's nice for some fresh paint in here. My dad just repainted a lot of the room. So it looks good in here. looks real nice. And um, ergonomically though, not doing that awesome. I have my laptop on the bed. The microphone's sort of propped up on the bed and I am kneeling down. So I don't know how I'm going to last in this position. I'm going to try not to like jostle the microphone and like bat things around here on the bed. I just knocked over my water bottle. So I'll try not to do that again. I do have a small desk that I could work. Actually, it's a it's a fine desk. It's the area where my dad has his computer. And um, I was sitting there, but he needed to do some things. And it's quiet here in the room. So I was like, oh, I'll just I'll just ditch ditch the desk for a few minutes and record this podcast episode. So it was a long drive. It was a long drive from Colorado to Georgia, but it's one that I've done uh, many times. I'd have to figure it up. I've probably done that driver, a similar drive, roughly 10 times. So the first time that I drove from Georgia to Colorado was back in 2002. It was, uh, it was a different time back then. Gas was cheap. I had so much hair. I was in college and I was driving out to the Rocky Mountain National Park for the first time. I actually had never been to Colorado up until that point, but I signed up to work there for three months in the summer. And it was fantastic, sort of changed the trajectory of my life. Now I live very close to that place that I drove to. And I didn't think my my path would swing back over there, but um, you know, 18 years later, it did. So I live very close to uh, where I worked back then. And in fact, um, like I'd visited there, I think almost every single year since I worked in that summer of 2002. I think maybe I missed one year when I um, when we first moved to Bozeman, Montana, and we were like, hey, we're already we're already in the uh, the Rockies. The mountains are awesome here. There's no need to drive down to uh, Denver or Colorado in general. So we we didn't do it anyway. Um, it's a good it's a good drive. And funny thing is, it was like I think the first day. So it's about a twenty hour drive. I divided it up over three days, so I didn't have to, you know, kill myself driving. Just me and Georgie in the truck, and the first day was just fantastic. I'm driving through like Kansas, right? So it's Kansas. It's flat. I don't have to worry about traffic. It's, it's pretty nice. I listen to audiobooks, so it passes the time, and it was super easy the first day. Most of the second day also super easy. Still a lot of uh, you know sparsely populated areas, but traffic was picking up a little bit. By the time I hit, um, you know, I got through a few big cities, so Kansas City, got St. Louis, and then um, there's not too much until you get to Nashville, and then there was quite a bit of traffic in Nashville. Soon as I hit the Atlanta area, the traffic was a nightmare. I'm not going to complain and rant here, but I I think. I'm going to talk to some more people around here in the Atlanta area, but I'm pretty sure traffic is much, much worse than it was just four years ago when I lived here. So, like I said, I'm not going to subject you to 
me complaining about traffic. That's just silly, maybe some other time. And we can move into the meat of the episode, which is Google Analytics. So if you're completely unfamiliar with Google Analytics, it will give you information about visitors on your website. It's free. It's a great way to like just track analytics about visitors on your site. It gives you a ton of data. It's far more powerful than like most people give you credit or give it credit for. And the other cool part is um, it's like the de facto like analytics platform for people to, uh, you know, if, if, if you're like selling your site, for example, people will want to check out Google Analytics. You can give them like just viewable access so they can't make any changes. They don't have any admin rights. They can't edit anything, but they could view what is going on on your site. So Google Analytics is probably one of the you know first things you want to get rolling on your website. Again, tons of data and it's free. I won't get into the nuts and bolts of like installing Google Analytics, but I will just quickly mention, I typically use like the small, like one line of code. It's just a script. And in the themes that I use, it's pretty easy to just insert a script. Most premium themes will support that. So you can insert the script. Sometimes you can like um, input like your Google Analytics, um, like ID tracking number or whatever it is into the theme. And then it places the code in the proper place. So if you, if you, if you don't have that capability in your theme, it's okay. You can still probably figure out how to install, um, the like line of script there, the line of code of the script. But, um, I don't necessarily recommend that you use a plugin to do this. Yes, there are some plugins that allow you to do it, but I don't really like to install plugins if there's another way to do it. It's usually probably a little bit more efficient and won't slow your site down as much. I'm splitting hairs here, but you should probably figure out how to do it without using a plugin, even though there are plugins that will do this for you. So just quick note on that. Like normal, you could probably just Google this and there's videos and instructions on how to do it. Easy, easiest and best way is using your theme though. When you first click over to Google Analytics and after you have everything installed, you have sort of a dashboard screen. I'm pretty sure you can like modify this so you're seeing exactly what you wanna see. I usually just keep it as, at the default and start navigating around to different areas. But you know, typically this default screen will show you the last seven days versus the previous seven days so you can see like are you doing better compared to the previous week or not it tells you how many users have been on the site how many sessions they've had uh, the bounce rate and the session duration it also tells you like real-time information like how many people are on your site right then and where they are so that's kind of cool if you're interested in sort of like real time like what's happening there's a lot of other default data on that home screen. And again, I think you can like, you know, move things around if you want to. I don't really mess with it. So typically what I do once I get to the home screen of Google Analytics, I'll click on the, like the audience overview. And that gives you, as you can imagine, just like a very broad overview. There's a lot of ways to slice it and dice it 
based on the audience. But in this case, like the audience tells you, the audience reports will tell you about the demographics, the interests, interests, tough word for me to say right now, apparently, the geography and uh, some of the behavior and stuff that's going on. So you could also see like our people on, you know, different browsers, different uh, technology, or are they on mobile? What kind of device and all that kind of stuff. So I usually just hop over there, get a quick handle on what's going off. The next two areas are where I spend the most time. So that is acquisition. That will tell you where the visitors are coming from. So you can see, is it organic search traffic? Is it social traffic, referral traffic, like from other websites? Um, Also direct traffic is listed. A lot of times that is like where someone has typed in like nichesiteproject.com and they go directly to your site or a specific page. The weird thing with direct traffic is sometimes direct traffic um, is sort of classified that way even though the traffic comes through some other source, like maybe referral or search. Um, because like I said, I have, I've seen like direct traffic be much higher than I would expect. And sometimes like, for example, on niche site project, I think a lot of my traffic that comes in through my email list is attributed to direct traffic, even though I am sending them there through an email link. Now, I believe I can set that up in a specific way, but um, to to make sure it's like counted as email traffic, but I don't know how to do it and I haven't researched it. I don't find it hugely valuable like for what I'm doing. Um, Maybe it would give me more insights, but I just assume the direct traffic is coming from like email. So from there, this acquisition is pretty cool because you can see like the organic traffic coming in which is quite interesting. And then you can classify and sort of slice and dice and filter things in a certain way. Once you get to the screen again, it's easier to see in a video, which isn't super helpful because I actually don't have a video on this. But what you can do is change the secondary um, sort of filtering here to the landing page. So then you can see which pages are getting organic traffic and then you could rank them and sort them by, you know, descending order. So you can have like the highest traffic pages listed right there. The other cool thing is um, it gives you data on some of the areas I mentioned before. So the bounce rate, the average session duration, the amount of time on that page and so on. So very cool there. Um, Another thing that I, you know, ended up reviewing here is I did a lot of testing and just experimenting with social traffic, specifically Pinterest. And in this case, I would go to the acquisition. I would go to all traffic and I'm describing like where you would click and then I would go to channels and then drill down for social traffic. And then from social, it will drill down farther into like YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Reddit, Pinterest, Twitter, whatever. So you can see how much traffic you're getting from these different referral sources. So you can see like, oh, YouTube is bringing in a lot of traffic. And by the way, that's exactly what I did, um, you know, 
two, three years ago, I was like, oh, whole, holy shit, I'm getting a lot of traffic from YouTube and uh, maybe I should do some more YouTube stuff. Oh, by the way, I also see they're spending a whole lot of time. They're going to two or three pages and it looks like a valuable source of traffic. It's not just, you know, they're not just hitting the page, staying for 30 seconds. They're staying for like four minutes. So, and actually I'm looking at that right now and I can see YouTube referral traffic over the last week. They've spent three minutes and 50 seconds on the site versus one minute and 37 seconds from Facebook and from Twitter, eight seconds, right? So clearly not valuable from Twitter. I spend no time on Twitter, which kind of makes sense. I mean, if I actually did anything on Twitter, then I would expect to see a little bit, a little bit, um, I would see different metrics from there. So anyway, acquisition is very valuable because then you can see, hey, 50% of the traffic is coming from organic search and another 50% is coming from social or whatever. And you could drill down, figure out where you want to spend time. Additionally, this next area, behavior. So again, this is one of the other key areas I check out. So if you look at behavior and then overview, you'll see the overview of the behavior, but it drills down in this case on the pages. So I could see the URL slug where people land and just the, uh, like the percentage, the amount of traffic for each one of those landing pages. So it's pretty cool. And you could quickly see like, oh, most people are landing on the homepage and then these two or three other like really popular pages, very valuable. Again, you could just see um, specifically what topics, what pages people are spending time on, what's drawing them in. And then in a similar way, I believe you can uh, like sort and filter um, you know, once I drill down to a specific page, then I can add a secondary dimension of where that traffic was acquired. So it's kind of the inverse of what I was just talking about. So I won't, I won't uh, repeat myself there, but you can basically see like this page is getting a lot of traffic. That traffic is coming from social or it's coming from organic, for example. So the other area in behavior is site content. So I'll go to site content and then all pages, and then I'll be able to see, you know, all, all the data there based on like, you know, what the URL is. Again, you can see the number of page views, the unique page views. So it's like, if it's the same user or not. So some people look at the same page again and again, which is cool. It means they like it. You can also see the average time on the page, the number of entrances, the bounce rate, the exit percentage. And um, if you are somehow tracking the page value, if you if it's an e-commerce site, for example, then you can assign a value for like that page that's pretty advanced. Um, I could, for example, we're gonna dive deep here, so buckle up. Um, I could, for example, have a specific value based on data for visitors that land on my site. Now, I don't have that kind of data. And frankly, it sounds kind of, um, it sounds very, uh, you know, what word am I looking for here? It's very uh, like clinical. 
it's sterile, right? It's like, okay, someone lands on the site. How much are they worth to me? I don't really view it like that. You can make some weird decisions if you start looking at people as, uh, you know, $1 per person on the site. Then you start doing anything to get people on your site. So I don't view it that way. I don't have a page value assigned. But if you had an e-commerce site and you were like running ads, that would be super valuable to understand like how much that page is worth to you. So again, we went really deep there quickly, but again, the cool thing is you can see like, hey, these pages are getting, um, you know, X amount of traffic per month. You can slice and dice uh, based on the date. So you can take a look at the last seven days. You can take a look at the last five years or whatever. A lot of times what I'll do is have a look at, um, you know, a quarter, for example, compare it to the previous quarter or compare it to the same quarter last year. So I could see how things are going like year over year. So very valuable. And you can see that in an aggregate level altogether. Or if you compare, you know, one period to another, then you can dive down into the individual URLs individual pages on your website and see, oh, traffic is up on this page compared to last quarter or last year or however you're looking at it. Additionally, one cool thing is like, it keeps the historical data. So when I started Niche Site Project, I installed Google Analytics, like I was talking about. And then um, basically I have data all the way back from 2013 which is kind of crazy. So I could see like slow growth over time. Was there any like huge hockey stick growth, something like that? There wasn't, there never is, you know, there's, <laughs> there's little inflection points here and there. And hopefully you have like continued growth, but you know, there was never, I never saw that. I think it can happen, but it's probably after, uh, you know, eight years of doing something, then it's like, oh, boom, some very important, rare events happened and it made things take off. So anyway, these are the sort of the main areas I check out. Um, you, you can dive deeper in certain areas for sure. And once you start to navigate around and see what's going on, it gives you really good insight on where you should spend your time, maybe other topic areas. For example, you know, if I see people are spending a lot of time on Amazon affiliate content on niche site project, then I know, Hey, I should do more Amazon affiliate content because there's a huge interest in it. And I'm getting a lot of traffic in that area. One other area that I do use though, it's more advanced. I use it for niche site project, but I don't use it for any of my affiliate sites. So keep that in mind. I do have a goal set for people that sign up for my email list so that I can understand like if traffic comes from, we'll just say organic search traffic, how, um, I guess like, yeah, what the conversion rate is for people entering my site, how many of them actually sign up for the email list and then like confirm via email that they wanna be on the email list and then land back on the page. So I have a couple conversion things set And in those cases, you just have to, um, you know, work through setting up and assigning specific pages as a goal. So fairly straightforward. This is one of the times where I 
just referred to Google Analytics um, and the documentation on how to set up goals and conversions so I can see very easily, does this traffic coming from this traffic source convert better? All the data that I mentioned before, the average time on site, the number of page views, the bounce rate, all that sort of information, I can see that too. So it's super valuable because at some point in time, a couple of years ago, I saw that I was getting some YouTube traffic. I was doing some YouTube videos, but I noticed, oh, holy shit. People from YouTube sign up for the email list at something like a 5x um, multiple compared to all other traffic. So even though it was a smaller amount of traffic coming from YouTube, it's a little tough to get people to leave YouTube. But if you can, at least in my case, they were very engaged and they enjoyed the content. They enjoyed like getting content in a different form and the resources that I had available by signing up to my email list. So at some point in time, I decided I'm going deep on YouTube and I started doing a bunch of terrible videos and slowly they got a little bit better. And I wouldn't have known this, right? I wouldn't have known because from a sheer number standpoint, the traffic from YouTube isn't, you know, remarkably high. However, one thing that it cannot tell you is um, maybe someone watches a couple of YouTube videos. They never subscribe. They never go to my site. But sometime in the future, they, you know, Google something related. They do end up on my website. They remember me because they watched a few videos and then they sign up. Now, I think that's probably a, a minor number of people, but I know for a fact it does happen at some point in time when I started doing more and more videos, I was getting emails and people said, hey, I watched a few of your videos. That's why I signed up for your email list, blah, blah, blah. So conversions can be you know, very valuable in that way. Once you understand like how to set them up and what kind of information they can give you, then you're able to potentially like use some of these tools, some of the, this data in a different way. So I'm just mentioning like ways that I've done it. Now, last thing I'll mention about Google Analytics, this is something that I've only started to do in the last year. So I started working online in 2013 and it's only been in 2019 when I started creating what's called custom reports. So there's this little area, um, it's like on the left navigation for Google Analytics and it's called customization. So you can create your own dashboards to pull together the different reports that I mentioned. You can see them all on one page, pretty cool stuff, right? I, I didn't even mess with that, by the way. The thing that I did mess with was custom reports. So in this case, you can set up specific reports for whatever you want. So you can display certain data. So maybe it's the time on site and the place that the person was referred from, how the acquisition, as I mentioned before, is the right terminology. And you can see... Um, specific pages. So for example, the reason why I started using the custom reports is I was making updates and improvements on certain pages on my affiliate sites and I wanted to track the results. So I could look manually and you know tease out the data, look at individual pages, but I wanted to look at say 30 different URLs and see how they changed over the course of time. And if whatever I was improving actually helped traffic. So 
fairly straightforward. That is the thing that I actually do have a video for. So <laughs> I'll need to put a link for that. But basically you can create a custom report that'll give you a report on specific URLs, provide you whatever um, you know specific data you want. And it allows you to very quickly, instead of like clicking around and having to create reports every time, you could just click on the custom report, click on the, um, I guess, results or the display is probably the better term for the custom report. And then you see it all right there. So it's, it's much faster. And, you know, like many things, you probably don't want to, um, you know, set up the custom report until you understand what data is important, what you want to look at. But if you're like, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to be changing these uh, 15 URLs. I want to, or I want to improve these, the content on 15 URLs. Then you would know, Hey, these are the 15 I want to check out. So fairly straightforward, very powerful and a huge time saver. If you just want to understand like, Hey, how, how is this um, change impacting the traffic on my site? And one other thing I'll mention here is sort of a rough conversion rate. So I'm going to bring together, I'm going to assume you're using Amazon affiliate or Amazon associates as your monetization, but this would transfer for any sort of other like affiliate offer that you have on your site. If you want to get like a fairly rough conversion rate, then you can't like based on the total number of users that land on your site, you can take the data from analytics so you would know for a given period of time we'll just assume one month for a given period of time you have x number of visitors on your site so for 30 days you have you know a thousand visitors on your site for example we'll say ten thousand ten thousand visitors on your site and then if you go over to amazon you can see the number of clicks to Amazon for the same 30 day period. So that tells you how many people, what percentage of people clicked over to Amazon. And then from there, there's an Amazon conversion rate that is listed. So you can use that, you know, it's just multiplication and division. So you could put together the data there and then understand like, okay, if 10,000 people land on my site, 100 of them are probably going to buy something. At least that's how it was for that 30 day period. Now you can sort of watch the trends. You can do this on a per month basis. So you can understand like in January, people don't buy as much stuff compared to December, for example. And it's not exact um, by any means, but it gives you a ballpark. It's some data. It's proprietary data for you, right? No one else can like see your Google analytics. No one else sees your number of clicks on Amazon, no one sees your conversion rate. But with those three pieces of data, you can have a pretty good understanding. And it's not its not about knowing like exactly how many people bought how many items or anything like that. For me, it's more like, is this trending up? Is this trending down? Do I have some handle on what's going on on my site? That said, I know some people, they have a very, very good handle on how much they make per visitor, right? I know some of my friends that monetize with display ads, that that sort of data is very important, right? That's exactly what they wanna know. That's the data that is on the dashboards for their display ad um, network or whatever it is they're working with. So it's that sort of data that is really important to them. But for me, like if you ask me, I have no idea. I have no idea how much I make per visitor on the site. 
yeah, it could be interesting or valuable or something like that. But, you know, from my perspective, it's very important to understand like what kind of traffic it is. So if it's someone who is landing on the site and they just want information, they have no buyer intent, that's not the same as someone with buyer intent. Someone with buyer intent may convert, you know, five times more. Um, they may convert 5x over someone who is just trying to get information. Maybe it's much more than that. I'm just making up numbers for the sake of argument. So anyway, Google Analytics, I don't uh, spend too much time in there. I usually hop in every uh, you know week or so, maybe every few days. If I am making like active changes on content and I want to see if there's any sort of results, I'll be tracking like the rankings that can be helpful to understand. I'll be checking out Google Analytics to see if traffic is actually moving up. And, um, you know, quick example, I did the, it was a case study with Content Refined. That's a company that they can write content for you. They can write like fresh content. They can improve existing content using a tool called Market Muse. And uh, by the way, I'm an affiliate for them. So I get a commission if you sign up with them. But basically, I wanted to track the results very closely. And that is why I started messing with the custom reports. It took me a few minutes to uh, set it up, maybe half an hour. And then once I did, I could just go to that report at any time and see, oh, traffic improved um, from this period to that period and see the overall trend, which is very, very valuable. So if you have any questions about Google Analytics or things you're interested in, shoot me an email, feedback at doug.show. Let's move over to the questions from listeners now. The first question here is from Mac. So Mac, thanks for sending this in. You say, hope you're doing well. My site has dropped its domain rating from hrefs after being linked by a bunch of spammy links. What's the best way to disavow them or should I ignore them? Thanks. All right. Thank you, Mac, for sending that in. And um, I mentioned, I actually shot him back a quick response and I said, hey, I'll put this on the list for show topics. So here's what uh, the main idea is. Basically, it's good to monitor in case you do get hit with a bunch of uh, like negative SEO is what we call it. Negative SEO is like bad links. You didn't create them. Maybe one of your competitors is trying to knock you down. And basically, if they are really bad and you know that they are terrible, then you can disavow them by following uh, the, I actually sent a link for the instructions from Google Webmaster Tools, I guess you would call it. Uh, Basically, it's the documentation from Google. That's what I'm trying to say. There's uh, the process. They list it step-by-step. They caution you. They caution you very strongly because if you don't know what you're doing, you can disavow links that are actually helping your site rank, even if they are crappy, shitty links and you see that they are not that great and you disavow them and they were helping you rank, then you may end up losing some of your rankings, thus losing traffic. And, um, you know, it's just one of the things you have to look out for. So it's hard to tell. And in fact, I had an experience where um, I knew someone who wanted to disavow some links because they thought they were bad. We disavowed them and I, you know, I actually advised them, don't do this. I, I advise you to not do this. 
but they really wanted to disavow the links. And sure enough, within like three days, their rankings dropped. And, um, you know, it's nice being right. Um, especially when I like, <laughs> I, I was like, dude, do not do this. It is a very bad idea. Um, in one case, I have disavowed, actually in multiple cases, I've disavowed links. And basically I saw one of my sites got about 700 bad backlinks, which were clearly bad. Um, a lot of them were like 301 redirects. It was all in the same week. It was very clear that it was negative SEO and I disavowed them within a week or so. And basically I pulled a report from Hrefs, um, double checked, you know, each little line, like every single line submitted the disavow, which if you just, if you just Google, uh, disavow links in Google, you'll probably find the specific process that you have to go through. And, um, you know, some, some people will tell you, actually, this is some of the bullshit argument that I went through, um, when I was advising that person to not disavow their, those links, basically they read somewhere that, um, submitting a disavow file is a red flag and it can get your site marked as like a spammy site and you can get a manual penalty and all this stuff just from submitting a disavow file, which makes absolutely no fucking sense. Let me explain. Basically, um, that would be a super easy way. So let's assume their assumption is correct. All right. Let's assume that if you submit a disavow file, that then your site is like blackballed and um, you're going to lose rankings and all this stuff. If that is the case, then the smartest thing I could do is to send bad links to someone's site, hope they disavow it because then they'll get penalized. So it literally makes no sense at all. And again, this person just didn't, they weren't listening to what I was telling them. And they they said, oh, I read somewhere that disavow files are bad, so I don't want to submit one. And then um, they, anyway, I'm going back and forth and I, I now realize that I'm sort of ranting. But anyway, th this person <laughs> didn't follow my instructions. Um, in general, they didn't follow my advice. And um, at the end of the day, their site lost rankings because they eventually did submit a disavow file. We went, we, there was a lot of back and forth. So, all right. I'm just going to move on from that. So my general advice to Mac just overall is like if the if the links are really bad and you see that it's terrible and you noticed it fairly quickly, I would probably stay on top of it like on a month to month basis and just submit the disavow files. Quick note, one very valuable thing about sort of I guess my past, my, my past work doing gray hat activities, um, with private blog networks is I ran into issues. I got manual penalties. I submitted disavow files. I did a lot of things that I don't have to deal with so much now, unless I'm consulting with someone. But, um, the point is if you, if you have not experienced certain things, then you don't know like the edge of what's, um, like uh, permissible, you don't know how to submit a disavow file. So the people that are pure white hat and they've never experimented, they don't test, they have a knowledge gap. Like there's a knowledge gap in some of these um, areas where they just don't know. Like I know a lot because I fucked up in the past and that is an extremely valuable thing versus like, oh, everything's just great. Everything's perfect here. And um, yeah, if you just do it this way, you'll be fine. 
there's value in uh, testing things out. That said, be careful. You know, don't test on your main site or anything like that. Um, these penalties are real. These penalties are real out there. So next question from Evan, and I just closed the window here. Uh-oh. All right, I'm going to have to come back to that one in a second. All right, I found it. I found it now. So Evan says, hey, Doug, I just wanted to say hello and let you know that things are really ramping up for my niche sites using your methods. I am regularly having $100 commission days in Amazon now, which I can't believe. So that is $100 days in commission, not sales. So $100 days. So that's roughly $3,000 per month. Fantastic. Evan further says, I can't believe it. I now have four sites which are earning and two more in production. I think I will stop at six and for at least for 2020, I will stop at six sites. I'll stop in 2020 with a six and, and I'll continue to build each one of them out. My goal is to hit five to 6,000 per month in Amazon commissions in 2020. And I'm pretty sure I will get there, which is crazy exclamation point. Anyway, a sincere thanks to you for what you're doing and I couldn't be happier with the results. And I'm also sorry, I can't make it to Atlanta. I'm having a meetup this weekend. That's what he's referring to. And he says, hey, if you're doing something in DC or New York City, I'll be there. So very cool. Um, and he mentions happy holidays. I look forward to seeing how the coaching and the offerings develop in the months and years ahead of us. Thanks a lot, Evan. I appreciate uh, your, you know, your kind words there. You're taking all the action. It's fantastic. And um, Evan has sent me some emails in the past. So I, I'm pretty sure he was using the keyword golden ratio and another testament. I mean, I don't even have to argue that the keyword golden ratio works. Other people will do it for me. And uh, I probably ranted at some point in the past on this podcast um, where I'm like, you know, if you, if, if you don't think the keyword golden ratio works, that is okay. It doesn't hurt my feelings. I make no money from the keyword golden ratio. That is a luxury that I have because um, you know, I'm not charging anything. I gave the idea away. Eventually it caught on because it works. And if I was trying to sell something, if it was really important for people to believe that it worked because I'm trying to make money from it, then yeah, I'd be out there trying to convince people. But um, I don't need to. So when when you know, when some folks uh, will email me or they'll leave comments on YouTube, specifically the uh, discerning, uh, listening palette of podcast folks, much, much better. I mean, you guys are higher class than YouTube by far. And I, I consume both, by the way. I love YouTube. I like podcasts, but I think people that spend the time on podcasts are or you're just better. All right. I will just say it out loud. Eventually, this episode will go on YouTube. And people are going to be, you know, disappointed. But anyway, the long form of podcast uh, is really nice. Occasionally on YouTube, this is what I was trying to say. Occasionally on YouTube, I'll get the question. Um, these people say that the keyword golden ratio is horseshit. It doesn't work. And it's just a waste of time. It is a poor way to look at it. Here's why it doesn't work. The thing that they have not done is uh, prove that it doesn't work. So like, Anyone who has tried it, usually they're a believer because they have results to lean on. And, um, you know, from my perspective, if someone is telling me 
that I am wrong for some reason, they have validated my case, right? I, I don't need to say anything after that. So anyway, Evan's crushing it out there. Good luck, Evan. That's fantastic. And last question. This is a true question here. This is from Kevin, who actually left a review on iTunes, and I gave him a shout out in a previous episode. So this is from Kevin. What are my thoughts on changing a WordPress theme of an established revenue producing niche site? Will it affect the rankings and traffic? I believe a theme change can make the mobile version of my site much higher converting and make the UX much better overall. I'm hesitant to do it given some disastrous case studies I've read of a couple people making a theme change. So generally, I wouldn't worry about it. Here are a couple important things to think about. So number one, if you have a, if you're converting, if you're migrating to a, you know, a reasonable, like high quality premium theme, it's probably not going to hurt your rankings. The times where people have an issue where you have some sort of rankings problem, it's usually an error with the migration. So the, the silliest thing you can do is like not install the Google Analytics correctly, either on your like previous site. Some people have installed Google Analytics like twice and you end up with um, double counting. So when you go to the new theme, you may install it properly and then your traffic's cut in half and you think there's some terrible things happening. But if you install it, if you install it correctly um, and you migrate properly, you should be okay. The other thing to watch out for is just some of the configuration stuff. So it might be with like the meta description or the meta titles or some of the just other meta data that your theme may or may not be taken care of. And you just have to make sure that you're migrating properly. As far as the disastrous case studies, I would, I would caution you. I'm going to, I'm going to caution you that if you see like a true case study by a reputable person, maybe like myself, maybe like my friends at, uh, uh, fat stacks blogs, you got John Dykstra, Ron Stefanski over at one hour professor, niche pursuits, Spencer Hawes, someone like that, someone actually that has credibility. They have a, a track record of being credible. That is a case study that is interesting, right? You could probably trust the information in those case studies. If you see someone in a Facebook group, which I don't even participate in Facebook groups anymore, even my own. So um, to take this with a grain of salt, but here's one of the reasons why I don't. You'll have some person who doesn't know what the fuck they're talking about. And they're like, I did X and it didn't work. And that's just the way it is. Yeah, sure. They're one data point maybe is 100% accurate, but it's no way to, uh, you know, I guess, get information that is like true and reputable because you just don't know who they are. Even if they talk shit in the Facebook group all the time, then, um, you know, <laughs> it doesn't necessarily mean that it's 100% accurate. So Kevin, to sort of answer your question here, as long as you are like, thinking about the migration before you do it, where you go through and you're like, okay, here is configuration information for my previous theme. I need to make sure I transfer over the Google search console uh, link up, the Google analytics link up, um, metadata is held in these areas. There's other configuration that may be 
tied to and dependent on your theme, make sure you transfer it over. Make sure you have a list of things that you need to do. Make a backup, right? So make a backup beforehand that's very easy for you to restore, hopefully with one button click. Hopefully it's not on the same server as where your website's hosted. It needs to be off of that server. Some other you know, data storage, it could be you know, Amazon S3, Google Drive, it could be um, Dropbox, it can be some other place, right? There's plenty of areas. You can have an email to you. It, it doesn't matter as long as it's off-site and you can restore it quickly and easily. That is the uh, very important part. So just keep that in mind. If you're able to restore it, then you can migrate to the new theme. Try not to do it like on your biggest shopping day of the year or the biggest month of the year or anything like that. Let it um, soak. You'll see traffic is still arriving on the site. Sales are tracking along as you expect. And then you can um, you know, rest, rest comfortably that you've done the migration correctly. If, however, you know, I hope you don't run into issues, but if you see like something is not right, you can just revert back to the previous theme, the full com- previous configuration and um, figure out what you've done wrong. So that is the way to handle a migration like this. Um, I don't think you should be nervous. I, I heard the same things, by the way, Kevin, where someone moved to a new theme. Some of the pitfalls that I just mentioned are areas where they ran into trouble. But basically, if you just make sure your configuration, um, make sure you understand your configuration and the things you need to transfer, then you'll be in good shape. Further, right, the deeper thing you mention is you believe that a theme change will help the mobile version and help conversions and it will just be better. All those things are great. So if you have a better website that people are interacting with in a better way, then you'll probably get more traffic. If you don't get more traffic, it sounds like you're still going to make more money because conversions are going to go up. Now, these are all theories, but um, in a lot of, you know, based on what you're talking about, it sounds like, uh, I mean, that's sound logic. That totally makes sense to me. So move forward with it, Kevin. I think you're going to be in good shape. Um, Let me know how it goes. Remember, offsite backups. Um, By the way, I do offsite backups with Managed WP. Um, I'm not an affiliate for them. I just like their service. I think it costs like under $2 or so per month per site. So I have a handful of sites and I know that I can go make changes on my site. I can try to edit the database and I have a daily backup that I can restore with a click of a button and it takes like, whatever, under five minutes. A lot of times it takes like, two minutes. Super fast, super easy to use, um, pretty straightforward to set up. And I think the way it, it works to do a restore is like um, like FTPs. It has like a login credential. So it can FTP and set things up just the way they were. And um, I can't remember how many days of backups, but I probably have, you know, 30 days or th- 60 days of backups. So if I don't notice there's an issue, and um, some time passes, it's okay. I can revert back to you know 24 days ago and um, I'll be okay. So anyway, I hope that was helpful for everyone. If you wanna have your question featured, if you wanna have a little shout out, you have two ways to do it. Number one, you can send an e- email to feedback at doug.show. The other way is to leave a voicemail, which is um, 
a, a Google voice number that I use. So you can find the phone number. I don't know it by heart. You find the phone number in the show notes. It's in uh, basically all the show notes for every episode. I encourage you to write out your question first, read it out loud, time yourself. It should be about 90 seconds, give or take. That is the primo. That's the perfect length for a question. People have been crushing it, knocking it out of the park. I think uh, Ryan, Andrew, I think Denise sent one in, Heather, um, uh, several people have sent in questions and um, they're hitting that 90 second mark roughly, give or take. There's a three minute limit. So this was my fault because I I didn't advise people well. I didn't know how it worked, to be honest with you. But I I got some voicemails and they were very long. Um, It was sort of like the person was just like talking to me. And uh, hey, it's cool that people feel that I'm so approachable. So they were talking and there's a three minute cutoff. So they got cut off. I'm sorry, uh, whoever that was. They got cut off in the middle. I played their voicemail, by the way. I edited it down, sort of consolidated it. I made it a little more concise. Um, So they still got on the air, but not their full um, like long message there. So anyway, you can leave a voicemail. Those are fun. I've have a nice workflow, um, to do this. It's a little bit easier for me to, to play the messages. And to this point in time, every voicemail that I've received, I've played it on the air. So I need to double check and make sure that's true. I think I got one recently, but I think I actually put it on, um, a show recently. So anyway, I appreciate everyone listening. We'll catch you on the next episode. Have a great day. We'll talk soon. Thank you so much for listening to The Doug Show. I really do appreciate it. I mean, I'm just sitting here at my computer recording stuff and uh, you're listening to it. And I think that's awesome. If you enjoy the show and you know someone who maybe would be interested in it, please let them know. I think it would be fantastic if you help spread the word. If you are not signed up for the Niche Site Project email list, well, you're in luck. All you have to do is go to nichesiteproject.com, click the green button, enter your name and email address, and I'll send you a bunch of cool stuff about affiliate marketing, productivity, including all my templates. If you happen to not be subscribed to this podcast, please do subscribe. And don't forget, I welcome your questions. So you could send uh, your emails to feedback at doug.show. I got that really cool domain, doug.show, that's it. So feedback at doug.show. Or I'm going to leave my voicemail number in the show notes. So all you have to do is give me a buzz, leave a voicemail, and then I'll potentially put you on the air. So looking forward to it and we'll catch you next time.